remembrance of you. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And the men helping with communion this morning may come forward. Pastor Chuck, I invite you to come on down. And we have great joy of celebrating communion together once a month, the first Sunday of every month. And it is a joy. It's an honor. And it's a great remembrance, and it's something we do with honor and praise and glory to God. Let me read this scripture from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 29 to you. It says this, The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. As we do communion together today, the one requirement is that you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. We celebrate open communion, meaning you don't have to be a member of Bloomer Baptist Church, but you should be a member of God's universal church. And we do this together. And as I was reflecting upon communion and these elements, I wrote down a few statements about the bread and about the juice. You see, as we take this, we remember that the bread and the juice sustains. I want to read a little devotion I found this week about this. It's from Moody Bible Institute's Today in the Word. And it says, whenever you eat this bread, it's the title. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four says, He broke the bread and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he says, In the Lord's Supper, communion, bread symbolizes nourishment and sustenance in faith, but also symbolizes the death of Jesus that saves us from destruction. It's like water and wine. These symbols are like a double-edged sword. Water can sustain life, but it can also create deadly floods. Wine can gladden the heart, but it can also destroy people's lives. Some stories about bread in the Old Testament include this element as well. Manna that was greedily kept until the next day became rotten and unsafe to eat. A soldier's dream showed a loaf of bread destroying the Midianite camp. And the odd bread that Ezekiel had to eat warned the people of an impending siege. And here in 1 Corinthians, the Lord's Supper reminds us and warns of judgment and how Jesus came to save us from certain judgment. He says there's an element of being completely open with God and each other when we come to the Lord's table, especially because we gather to eat together. None of us really wants our life to be scrutinized, but at God's table, there's always mercy. Mercy is greater than judgment. Provision is greater than scarcity. Life is greater than death. And perfect love drives out fear, 1 John 4.18. And God's presence with us through the bread of Christ is greater than anything we could ever ask or imagine. And he ends this little devotion stating, Thank you, Jesus, for the death which gives us life, eternal life. I thought that was powerful, and as I kind of thought about those words, and I thought about the power of water and the power of food and how it 
can both nourish but can also destroy. I thought a little bit further about that. I thought how, yes, food brings nourishment. Christ brings nourishment to our life and eternal nourishment. Something, nothing that the bread of this earth can provide, but he can. Something that, nothing of this water, these wells can provide, but he can. But at the same time, water, like he says, can bring floods and great destruction. We see that right now in Florida with the hurricanes. God can bring destruction and he will to this earth someday. Right now we're in a point of grace. And God wants to extend his mercy to us. And he wants us to tell people about that mercy too. Food, the same way. It brings great nourishment to our life. God brings nourishment to our life. But if you're like me, which most of us are, there's been one time in your life at least that maybe we've ate a little too much. Or maybe we've ate the wrong thing and it just did not agree with us. It too can bring great pain. You see, God does have wrath. And that wrath will come to our life. We need not fear of that wrath, though, when we've devoted our life to remembering Christ. That's what we do today, remember Christ. But just real fast, a few more things I wrote down. Yes, the bread and juice, they cause remembrance of Christ's body upon that cross, breaking, being pierced for us, and the juice, the blood of Christ being poured out to cover our sin with the new covenant. And then the bread and juice, it also connects us to one another. We do this together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then lastly, the bread and juice, it connects us to God. Christ's body, Christ's blood, it restores a right relationship with our Father in heaven. We have peace with God, but only through Christ. It's not by our works, it's by our faith. Amen. Let's pray for this bread and then we'll distribute it. And we'll take it together after. And then we're, uh, during the song that's going to be played, I just ask you, reflect upon it. Reflect upon your Jesus. And ask yourself, are you truly honoring him as Lord? Is he Lord of your life? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this bread, for this juice. We thank you for what it symbolizes most importantly, though. We thank you for this act that Jesus ordained in communion at the, Lord, the Last Supper. Lord, we thank you for Jesus going to that cross for us. May we think about that now. It's in your holy and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please stand.
With this bread in your hands, I ask you to close your eyes and for a moment picture Jesus on that cross and remember him. Remember what he went to that cross for, though. It wasn't without purpose. It also was not without pain. It was not without death. And it was not without sin going upon him. All these things went on to Jesus. It was all for us. All for us that we might have life with God forever in his heaven. We have hope and a future with him restored through Jesus. Take a moment of silence. Reflect upon that now. Lord, as we reflect upon this bread broken, Jesus' body broken for us, we say thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. Let's take the bread together now. As we think of the cup, Christ's blood poured out for us. Uh, had some things happen this week, and surprise, surprise, but we had a spill at one of our meals when we were eating. I know it's crazy, unbelievable when you have five young kids that a spill happens. It's more shocking when it's an adult that has that happen to you and the kids' cups stay safe. But I think of it as, as that water spilled. We were frantically, you know, it never just stays in one spot, right? It, like, if there's something important, it's going to, like, spread towards that, right? And I think of Christ's blood poured out for us. It didn't just stay in one spot. It, he didn't just die for some, but it spread, and it cleansed all of us who call on his name. It's, it's not a, a saving grace that is only for some. It doesn't have boundaries. It doesn't have limits, but it spreads. He died for all and all who call on his name and believe in him. And when Christ poured out that cup and passed it around, he was signaling, he was signifying to his followers that I'm being poured out and I'm spreading, I'm washing over you. In Titus uh, chapter 3, it says this, but when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Don't spill this grape juice on you. It will stain. But Christ's blood washes even our deepest, dirtiest stains of sin and washes them clean. Uh, let's, uh, we'll pass out the cup and then uh, we'll pray and then take it together.
pray together. Dear Father, God, thank you for your blood that was poured out, not just some, but all. God, thank you for your grace and for your mercy that washes away our sin, that cleanses us, even the deepest, the darkest, the most heinous sins, Lord. You came to bring us back. Your, sin, your, your death on the cross was not limited, but it was spread out for all. God, thank you for that. Lord, let us hold closely to that and that freedom that you have so freely given. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take and drink the cup. As we continue this service, we're going to have one more song before we go to the message. So please pass your cups to the ends. Uh, men, as they walk back, will collect them. And please stand as we sing this song together and rejoice in the words that we sing. They're full of meaning.
Thank you, Lord, for being with us through the storm, through the valleys, through the hillsides, through the mountaintops, through all times. You are with us. Your eyes are upon us. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your help. We thank you for never, never leaving us, but always giving us hope. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And the children are dismissed to Children's Church at this time. And we should be having a short introduction to today's message today as I realize what time it already is. We've just had, in my opinion, a great morning. I love praising and worshiping with all of you. So please open your Bibles to John chapter 6. John 6, 16 to 21 as I'm talking here. I could not go further without giving a little bit of attention to that song, Praise You in the Storm. And I thank you, Austin, for picking that as a nice sermon intro today to John 6. The words go like this, and you sang them, but sometimes we're so busy singing that we don't really think about the meaning. So I just want to read the words once more. I'll praise you in the storm, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are. God is never changing. No matter where I am, he is still him. He is still God. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. God is there. His omniscience, his omnipotency, his omnipresence, he is still there. You never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in the storm. I'll lift my eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the one who created the heavens and the earth, the maker of heaven and earth. There's powerful words in the song, powerful, awe-inspiring words, but it's not because Mark Hall of Casting Crowns, I believe it is, wrote this song. It's not because of him. Yes, he wrote a great song, but it's because of what these words point us to. They point us to our almighty God, our great God. They're not about us. They're not about Mark Hall. They're about God. And that's why it's mighty. That's why it's awe-inspiring. That's why it's powerful. That's why it's great. Our God can and should be praised in, through, and out of or after the storms of life. Yes, lift your hands up, for he is who he claims to be, and he is unchangeable. Yes, he holds our hands through life, and he never leaves our side. And yes, even when our hearts are torn, even when the sails are torn, even when the mast on our ships seem to be breaking in two and falling over top of our heads, God is still there. God never takes his eyes off of you. Just as we read in the scriptures today and we'll be reminded, God still had his eyes on his disciples in the middle of the sea as well. And God would walk out to them. God never takes his eyes off of you. He is there to walk to you on the waves of life. He is there to calm the storms, to calm the waves, and to get you where you need to be. But the question is, will we push away the fears, and will we look to him, and will we let him in the boat? Will we lift our eyes to him? Will we lift our eyes to him? Will we give him our ears? Will we give him our hearts? Will we give him our mind? Will we give him our life? You see, help comes from the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. Jesus, Jesus not only sustains us with nourishment of five loaves and two fish, but he's got the power over creation, over the waves, over the storm, storms. This song 
It proclaimed thoughts and words of many psalms and many scriptures, points, and Psalm 121. But it also helps illustrate the ideas found in John 6. Last week we saw Jesus lift his eyes to the crowds in, in need. And today we sang the song of lifting our hands and eyes to him. The great caregiver, the protector which brings us to today's scripture. In today's scripture, we see Jesus walking on water to show great care, supernatural care over creation for his disciples, his friends' protection. And just as God cares for his disciples, God still cares for us today too. Are you one of his devoted followers? And we need not be afraid. We should be afraid with a reverence for God, but not afraid in a way which prohibits us from going to God. We need to go, to go to God every day of our lives. In fact, we need to never exclude God from our life. That's that awkward moment. Let me pray for that. I don't know what it is, but it sounds important. Lord, we pray for this alarm. I don't know if it's an amber alert or what it is, but Lord, we pray for your will to be done. We pray for your provision, your comfort upon this person, upon these people. And we pray for you to provide in ways which only you can. Lord, we lift our eyes to you to receive your blessings for life. And we pray for you to help provide blessings in these people's lives as well. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. In today's scripture, which we don't have time to get into, but I wanted to introduce it. We're going to see four fears, four miracles, and a whole lot of application. A whole lot of application. Today we see actions of true disciples. We see their response to Christ. And although they had many fears until Christ would walk up and enter the boat, we see that he would, they would receive him. They would welcome him in. And they would fall down, bow down before him and worship him. That's the picture of a true disciple. A true disciple doesn't continue to focus on the fears in the way that they never walk to Christ. They never accept Christ. They never let him in. No, we allow our fears to drive us to Christ. And we work in his strength and his power in his comfort. Before we read today's scripture, and then we'll pray after it, and we'll get, dive deep into it next week, I want to set it up here. Jesus, as I said a few moments ago, he was resting with the disciples, or as we said last week, his eyes lifted up to the crowds on that hillside, on the mountainside. And he saw these crowds walking to him, crowds, and it was supper time. They were hungry, and they came to him. 15 to 20,000 men, women, and children. We spoke of this last week. If you were missing last week, go to bloomerbaptistchurch.com, go to our YouTube, go to our Facebook, watch or listen to the lesson. But Jesus would miraculously provide for all of them, men, women, and children. Jesus miraculously provided enough to eat that they all ate their fill, and then there was still enough left over for 12 baskets to be filled. In this, Jesus showed his power to create and call down food. And at the end of last week's message, Jesus, knowing that the people were about to take him up and try and force him to be king, an earthly king, Jesus commanded the disciples to go off. And he went off to a hillside to rest. At this time, he gave the disciples the command to go ahead to the boat without him. Let's read. John 6, 16 to 21 says this. 
When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got into a boat. And they started across the sea to Capernaum. Now notice their obedience. That's part of being a true disciple of Christ. You have obedience. Even when you don't seem to understand, I mean, the disciples, they were filled with a lack of understanding. In fact, we're not getting into the fears, the miracles today. We'll save that for next week. But that would be a fear. Can you imagine? You've been following this man, this God, this Messiah, this promised one, Jesus, all this time. You are living your life for him. Every moment of every day, you just want to be in his presence. And here, he calls you away. Jesus, what are you doing? We don't want to leave, they probably thought. But they listened. They followed instructions. They went down to the sea. They got into a boat and they started across the sea to Capernaum. And the scriptures here say it was now dark. And Jesus had not yet come to them. So even here, there's some, there's some ideas here that apparently they were still looking out for Jesus, expecting Jesus, expecting their master, their guide. For they might have felt lost without him. They might have thought, well, sure, Jesus will meet us around the bend. We'll, we'll swoop over to the shoreline. We'll pick him up. Or maybe he'll grab a boat or meet us a little further out. Or maybe as they went to the boat, they did. They followed instructions, but they kind of took their time getting the rope ready. They took their time getting the oars ready. They took their time loading the food or drinks or their provisions in there. I don't know. But apparently, there was something that caused them to wait a little bit. But it was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. So they went. Apparently, they went. And verse 18 says, Let me note, we see from the other Gospels here, and we see here, that although they felt Jesus was not there, he was there. His eyes were upon them. Just like his eyes are always upon us. Verse 18 says, though, that the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And as I thought about this, I thought, could this be a supernatural storm for Christ's purpose and illustrations to come to help make a point, to help display his divinity and his power and his might? Or could this be a supernatural storm to help illustrate how storms do come into our life when Christ is not at the center of our lives or in the boat with us. It's all possible, but we also know that it's very common in this area. This sea had 3,000 foot walls to the side of it. It was very common for these winds to develop and go down and swoop across the sea and cause sudden storms, sudden, sudden waves. Waves which even put fear into the most experienced sailors, the most experienced fishermen. We read on, though. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. It's a quick five verses. It's a quick piece of scripture, but it's a favorite piece of scripture to many. It's many, many of you, even at young ages in Sunday school and children's church, you remember this scripture. And there's so many applications, they abound. And that's why at 1030, I'm not even going to try to dig in deeper. But I do want you to focus on this. Jesus says, it is I. Do not be afraid. We need not be afraid when we're inviting Jesus into our boat when we're inviting Jesus into our life. 
Should we have a healthy fear of God? Will we reverence after him? We revere him as mighty and great and all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present? Yes. In fact, at the men's retreat this weekend, which if you missed it, let me say, you missed it. It was great. We had some great speakers, some great time together, some great worship. But we reflected upon God's attributes. And I just thought about this. If we truly understood God's attributes, if we truly grasped every single bit of it, we wouldn't have the evil in the world that we have today. We wouldn't have the sin in the world that we have today. And we are all sinners. None of us are good. None of us are perfect. Christ covers our sin, but we're still full of evil. Every day we sin, and we need to ask God again, please forgive us. Not because we're not already forgiven, we are, but because we revere him. But here's the point. If we truly understood that God is everywhere. God is all-knowing, is all-present, he is all-powerful. We would fall to our knees morning after morning, night after night, reverencing him. As we recognize, Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid. There's only one reason we need to be afraid. And that's if you don't trust in him as Lord. So that's what we leave with today. Reflect upon your Savior. Do you recognize him as your Lord? Do you fear him in a way which prevents you from going to him? Because if so, that's not right. God invites us to come to him. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to confess with our mouths that he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He wants us to repent and say, sorry, Lord, for my sins. Please forgive me. Repent. It's a fancy word, but it means turn away. It means as you as you ask forgiveness for your sins, don't keep going back to them. Don't keep going back to that way of living. Live according to God's ways. He gives us a book. He gives us a Holy Spirit within us which convicts us and encourages us and gives us understanding and wisdom. He gives us peace. Look to him. It's only one reason to fear God. And that's if you don't know him as Lord. So reflect upon that today. And then build your life upon him, his word, and his ways. Let's close in prayer and song. And then I invite you to stick around for Sunday school and come to Fall Fest 3 to 6 at Norris Park. Please bow your heads. Lord, we thank you for this day. We do. Lord, we thank you for every day that our eyes are awakened to know you and to know you greatly. For the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes. But Lord, for those who are around the world, your eyes are not awakened. We pray for your assistance in helping us, equipping us, giving us the words, giving us the prayers to pray for them and their hearts, their souls, their minds to be softened for you and for your kingdom. Lord, it's not by our might that can be done. It's by yours and it's by your will. Lord, we pray for that today. Use us. Lord, as we reflect upon those words, it is I, do not be afraid. May we welcome you into our life, into every single corner, every single room, every single part. And may we not fear, but may we walk in reverence and follow you. May we build our life upon you, your word, your ways, and to glorify you for your kingdom, for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. Please stand. Let's worship together.